0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman. with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make
1: your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend.
2: This This? is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend.
0: Well, this is definitely a special edition of A's Unfiltered as we're going to be bringing on Ken Korak, Vince Catronio, and Glenn Kuyper to remember our great friend Ray Fossey who passed away this offseason and what Ray meant to all of us and what Ray meant as an Oakland A, what he meant to the franchise, but what he meant to all of us personally. And we wanted to bring on... These three men who worked with Ray for so many years and traveled with Ray around the country and loved him so much. We'll start with the voice of Summer, the voice of your Oakland Athletics. Here is Ken Korak remembering Ray Fossey. Ken Korak, hey, how are you?
3: Hey, Chris Townsend, how you doing?
0: Well, you know, I think what we're doing today is is we're, we're, we're really paying tribute to a man we loved and what he mean to all of us in our careers but you know more importantly what he meant to us personally as well as you knew ray and you traveled with ray and he had so many conversations with him we just wanted to hear from you to talk about the great ray fossey
3: yeah it's been a tough couple of days chris as i know it has been for you and we spent 25 years together as you know so uh that's about what 13 years worth of spending time around somebody when you consider Six-month season, then you could add the the spring training and the postseasons as well. So um, it's been tough, but there's so many great memories of Ray, and I think in a in a time like this, Chris, the memories I think put a smile on your face too, and there's a poignancy to it. But um, you know, I've I've really I've thought a lot about some of the the postseason games we did together. Going back to our first game was 2000. I think we did about 43 postseason games. And Ray, he was great all the time, but he really came alive in the postseason and it was just such a thrill because there was you know all the strategy involved because um, you know so much is riding on on every pitch in a postseason game. and you know one of Ray's great strengths, as you know, Chris, was to take you inside that the dynamic between a pitcher and a catcher and the strategy there. So uh, we had some great times for sure.
0: Yes, no doubt about it. And I always thought it was Radio Gold when he would come over from the TV and sit in between you and Vince. I always loved that because the, the conversation and the way you guys bounced off each other, you, you had to feel like this is something special.
3: Well, those were Fossey days and that phrase was coined by Bill uh, because they started working together when Ray joined the radio team in 1986 and Yeah, I feel the same way about when we – it was a real treat when he was on the air with us, with Vince. And, of course, before that, when I I worked with Bill for 10 years. And, you know, Bill and Ray had a real special relationship because Bill was a catcher himself and was a very good one in his high school days. I think he played a little semi-pro ball. So uh, they really had a bond because of their their love for catching. And, And, you know, Chris, even though Ray over the years did more, obviously, more TV than radio, he really enjoyed being with us on the radio because as you know, and especially in the last several years, he could have taken some time off, but that was, that was not who Ray was. And he really wanted to work every game. And uh, I, I think he embraced radio and he understood, and it's not that easy. It's not that easy, Chris, to go from one medium to the other, because as you know, TV isn't, I've said this forever that TV really is more of an analyst medium. And because of the nature of the of the medium, radio is more of a play by play person's medium. But he really learned how to do that and how to bridge those things. And and so he he it was uh, like I said it was a it was a treat. He learned a lot of lessons early, and you know I could go on and on as I and, and so could you, of course. But so one of the things that really stands out about Ray was that he never took for granted that he could just walk in the booth as a former player. He didn't rest on his laurels. He worked really hard to be a baseball broadcaster. And you've seen the notebooks that he carried around with him, uh, Chris, and the voluminous notes and stats and figures and his thoughts, reflections on certain ball games. And between the notes that he kept and the fact that he had a photographic memory, nothing got by him, right? You could mention a game 30 years ago, and it was like a 2 1 pitch in the fourth inning. And he'd remember it. So it was uncanny that, you know, he really had that great recall.
0: I can't tell you how many times doing all those interviews that I did with him where I would say, how do you remember that? How do you remember in 1974, the World Series, this count, this hit? I'm like, like, it was amazing.
3: Well, I think one of the reasons was that he was totally immersed in it. I don't think anybody loved the game of baseball any more than Ray and Ray may have loved it more than anybody I've known. And so he lived it. It was his life. He loved it. And even off the field, he watched a lot of games and, and he paid attention to the other teams as well. It wasn't just that he was prepared for the, to do the, to do our club, but he knew a lot about the opposing teams. So uh, he just had a feel for the game. He, he loved the game. And I think that, that's one of the things that really, um, you know, always was a kind of a shining thing about Ray that you could look back and say that, you know, he never cheated the game and he loved the game.
0: Attention to detail. That was truly yeah. one of his strengths.
3: That's right. And the other thing too, I'm not sure that many people are aware that going back to the 80s, he did the pregame show. A's warm up with his show. And we think of him as an analyst, but he was—I think he deserves some credit as an interviewer too, Chris. Because for all those years, over 30 years, he did that two-part interview, and I thought it was fascinating. And if it was a 7:05 game, he came on at 6:45, opened the show, did the the interview in two parts, a commercial in between, and then closed the show after that. And and as Vince was saying the other day, you know, when Ray walked into the opposing clubhouse or down on the field and ask someone to do an interview, you know, he had kind of a cachet that he, that he carried with him. So he was able to, uh, you know, uh, move, you know, easily and freely, um, even around the, like a visiting clubhouse and he got a lot, he got everybody, all the great stars, all the behind the scenes figures. And, um, you know, I think those shows, and he, you know, he kept every show, Chris, every show I think has been cataloged and they're now, uh, transferred into some kind of, some sort of uh, kind of digital form, and all those shows belong in some kind of a baseball museum because I don't know how many. This it has to be thousands of hours of uh, AS warm up interviews that that he did with, I mean, just countless people. So that's another kind of aspect of Ray that I'm not sure that you know people are fully aware of.
0: Yeah, we had actually talked about Ray. We actually talked to Ray about taking a lot of those and and running them on A's cast, making it like a second. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would still like to do that. Obviously we're going to need to let his family grieve and have their time. But uh, you know, you think of one of the all-time great A's, even though he didn't play a long time with the A's, but it's far more than that, right? As a community speaker and the tours that he went on speaking, and then all the Mm -hmm. years on television and radio. I mean, there's so many generations that have grown grown up with Ray Fossey as A's fans, it's unbelievable. I've said
3: that this, that he transcended the generation because people who are longtime time A's fans, and you and I both know people who went to the first game in 1968 and have been A's fans ever since then. And when you could get Ray talking about some of the rich history and going back, of course, to the World Championship teams of 73 and 74, so he had that ability to to bridge the years and the, and the generation. So uh, he and I think he handled that responsibility really well to Chris to represent the club. And, you know, you talked about the going out and speaking. He headed up one time. The A's had a speaker's bureau yeah. and Ray headed that up and he would go all over. And he he actually worked in the front office for a time. He sold advertising. And he would go all over the Bay Area and take former players or current players with him and off season, if it was the hot stove league or whatever. And he he was actually a great public speaker. He was at ease um, doing that, uh, Chris. And, and of course, people loved to hear him talk and and hear the stories. And the the stories were plentiful.
0: Yeah, and I think about with Ray and how he felt about you, how he felt about all of us. You know, I mean – an ex-player who's won a World Series championship could look down. He didn't, he never treated any of us like that. I mean, it was amazing the time that he would give, the conversations with everybody. Cody and I talked about it earlier. It was the little details with his, his relationship with people that I think, I think meant so much when you say to all of us.
3: Well, counting the game broadcast and the pregame, you did hundreds of interviews with him. Yeah, and he loved it. He just loved it. And the other thing, on a personal level, for me, Chris, is as you know, I replaced Lon Simmons. I was hired in the winter of '95. Of, my first year was '96, and he, you know, he didn't big league me. And you know, Ray and Lon were very close friends, and and off the field as well. They did a lot of things together, and so that could have been a difficult transition for Ray to see one of his best friends. Uh, you know, no longer part of the broadcast. Law was one of my idols. So that was a potentially awkward situation. But he welcomed me into the booth from the first day. I never felt there was much of a transition. And that's because of Ray. Uh, it wasn't because of me, but the fact that he reached out to make me feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, that feeling lasted for uh, the 26 years that we worked together.
0: You know, you think about the legacy. And, of course, you did the book and you were very close with Bill King you know just the legacy we've lost some all-time greats but just the legacy of A's baseball with A's radio and A's television
3: we feel really strongly about it and just trying to carry it on on into the future you know Chris because beginning with Monty Moore and some of the greats who worked on radio and TV and then of course Bill and Lon and I said this before. The most uh, brilliant thing that the a's new ownership did back in 1981 to try to rekindle interest in the team was hiring Bill and Lon, and that pairing was golden, as you know. Uh, it, it was just so instrumental um, as that franchise would really, you know, take off and then reach a peak in the Bash Brothers' days. But all of us have felt that I think who've worked on A's radio and, and TV that, as I suppose, you, every Every team, every market, you know, could say the same thing, but I know that uh, Vince and I and Kipe, all of us, Dallas, you know, we could go right down the list that um, it's important, I think, to reflect back and think about uh, those who kind of paved the the, the road for us and blaze the trail for us. And uh, we're just trying to kind of keep those seats warm right now.
0: And the relationship that you saw that Ray had with the players, whether it's on the plane, it's on the bus, it's in the clubhouse, there was that respect that the players had for him, and there was that respect that he had for the players.
3: Well, he was also the chairman of the catcher's union. (laughs) So (laughs) we used to kid him about that, too. Like, you know, Ray, this is like the 15th day in a row that you've had a catcher on your pregame show right? So <laughs> he always gravitated toward the catchers, but he did. And he was very comfortable in the clubhouse. And he did spend a lot of time. He didn't he didn't impose his will on a player, Chris, because he understood that there was still a, a line there. But if any player sought his counsel, then Ray, of course, would be there for that player. And if you talk to some of the catchers, and many of them who've uh, played for the A's over the years, they'll tell you that Ray was just a great resource.
0: Well, and especially in an era where all of a sudden you had X players, you know, with the, the nerds are taking over the game and everything. Ray was smart enough to understand I'm going to need to adapt with it. I may not love it, but he was able to adapt with it. Talk about that.
3: Well, yeah. And he, we had some fun with it because he still was an old school guy and I don't, I don't think he fully embraced some of the, Kind of newfangled changes in the game and the analytics and stuff. But that just, I think, added some spice to the broadcast because I think he kind of played the curmudgeon from that standpoint. And it was, you know, there was a lot of humor to it. But he he understood where the game was going. And he certainly embraced um, what the A's were trying to do with sabermetrics and moneyball and all that as well. Because, you know, Chris, he loved the A's. I mean, that's the, the, I mean, I talked about his, his love of baseball and he loved the A's and the embodiment of that was his scream during Coco's walk-off in game 4 of the 2012 division series of course which i think is just like the perfect example of two things of rays just unbridled pure joy to be at a ball game and especially a big game and his love for the for the A's franchise as well
0: it's a great point because i said this earlier in the show that, you know, obviously when you work for a team, you're going to like the team you work for, but you could work for another team and now you like that team. It's like what, anytime you work for a company and you go to another company, you're always going to try and be loyal to that company. But a but Ray truly loved the Oakland A's. I, you can't he say did. that enough.
3: No, he did. And it came out in every broadcast that he did. And... You know, I mentioned earlier, Chris, the thrill of being with him in the postseason, and when you have those those games were, you know, and you know, obviously they had a lot of disappointment, but you know, we did all those winner take all games, and the, the wild card games, and the fifth game of those playoff series, and you could see the intensity in Ray come out, even you know, sitting next to him in the broadcast booth, because you don't accomplish what he did as a player without being a great competitor. And I don't think he I don't think he fully lost that uh, even when he wound up in the booth.
0: No. And, and, you know, the one thing, too, when you think about Ray Fossey is just how he bridged all these eras together, because I got a buddy who was a police captain uh, down here in the South Bay, and I brought his family behind home plate. And, you know, I brought some players over to say hi. He didn't care about that. He wanted to, he wanted, because he grew up watching Ray Fossey, right? He grew up watching Ray Fossey play. He grew up watching Ray Fossey uh, as a broadcaster. So it's like, it's like Ray brought all these generations all together. And he was like the only guy that could do that.
3: Well, he joined the team in 73, as you know. So, and, and he played for what, three years with the A's, but after that, he came back to the Bay area. Yes. He wound up back in Cleveland and played for the Brewers and the Mariners briefly at the end, but still called the Bay area home. So you're looking at almost a 50 year association with the club, you know, 36 years on the air. And so, yeah, you're right. And, you know, we talk about Steve Usenich, David Feldman and with, with, uh, you know, Ray, these are people who who have a you know, we've lost that, of course, with with Ray now being gone. But just an incredible sense of the history of the organization. So we have to keep that alive. Right. I think it's incumbent upon all of us to, to keep the, the history alive because it is such a, a rich history.
0: What are you going to miss most every day about not seeing him? Well, it's a great question. I, I
3: think the biggest thing I'm going to miss about him is that it's I mean, the kind of thing with Ray was, hey Ray, baseball. That's the first thing that I used to say to him, hey Ray, we got baseball tonight, and he'd answer back, you know, hey yeah, we got a ball game. It's baseball. He was synonymous with baseball. And when spring training begins and people hear his voice, uh, they know that um, you know it's it's time to turn the page. That winter is almost over and. It's time to immerse yourself in, in baseball for the next six or seven months. So, you know, I'll miss his friendship, obviously. He was, he was just incredibly supportive of me, uh, Chris, on a personal level. So, you know, when you lose someone that you've spent so much time with, and, and, you know, this is not about me in any way, shape, or form, but I've lost, you know, five of my broadcast partners now. And I guess it's a byproduct of when you get older, but it, it doesn't get easy. Uh, it doesn't get any easier when it happens. And, and so, and I, you know, I'm feeling that right now. And, and so it's, it's going to be really, it's a tough question to answer because it's not going to really sink in. I don't think Chris until the season starts next year and he's not there. We were just so used to having him there and he did all the spring training. He's with us. So, uh, it's going to be a tough year from that standpoint, but we'll do some things to honor his legacy. Chris, And I think that'll be a a focus for us. And I know it will be for you on the broadcast next year.
0: Yeah, I I think for me, it's just it's going to be, as someone that I I talk to every day, not just on the air, but off the air. And we'd eat together. And, you know, it's just, it's, you know, whenever I was on the road with the team, he always made me sit next to him. And the way he was always checking on me, if I was okay, did I need anything when we were on the road? And it's just, it's hard. It's just. He, he just seemed like a mountain of a man and like something like this could never happen. He was almost like a Superman to us. Well,
3: and that's right. And that's why it was just still shocking. We knew he was ill, but we didn't know that it was going to happen this quickly or if, the, if it was going to happen and he kept it private and he worked until the first week, his last game was what August 3rd or 4th, somewhere in there. Chris, I don't, don't remember exactly. And that's just, little over two months ago. So he was going to work, you know, we don't, we don't know the details of what, nor, nor is it our business of what he was dealing with, especially at the end. But, you know, he wanted to be, he still wanted to be involved in baseball and and be on the air and and still had the same great work ethic, Chris, every day. While you know, clearly he was battling an illness that turned out to be terminal.
0: Well, we, we we loved him. We love you and we wanna keep you keep you doing A's baseball for a long, long time. So uh, be well, be safe and uh, let's tee it up soon.
3: Let me say this too, in closing, I know you gotta go. This would be a collective thank you to everyone who's texted and called and the voicemails, the emails. I even got haven't gotten to Twitter yet, so it really reminds me a little bit, Chris, of the day that, that Bill died because, I, you know, I've been blown away. It's not it wasn't unexpected, but still, you're you're blown away. It just reinforces how much Ray meant to so many people, how the mark that he left and how he impacted so many lives, because I could spend the next two or three days, Chris. I don't know that I'd be able to, you know, to answer everybody, respond to everyone. So that, that's been such a, a heartwarming part of this in a, in a difficult time.
0: All right, buddy, be safe
3: okay bud thanks
0: it's so touching to hear these men talk about ray because you think of all the years they spent together it's unbelievable and of course vince catronio wanted to weigh in on his good friend ray Vinny, how are you buddy how you doing tony well you know i said you know i just said it before you came on if we had to do this show yesterday i don't don't think any of us could have done it we've now had a day basically degree but uh you know, I I know how much you loved Ray and how much Ray loved you. And just when you got the news, it just had to be devastating.
4: Yeah. It's not any easier today either, Tony. to be honest with you. I mean, just, you know, trying to process the whole, you know, thing is it's really, really difficult. You know, when, when I got the call a couple of, you know, a couple of uh, days ago late in the afternoon with the news is just, you know, it was, it was just beyond gut wrenching and just, didn't, didn't see that coming. You know, both Ken and I had talked about it uh, both privately off air and, and a little bit on air, you know, in the, in the final two months, minus Ray is that, you know, we're, you know, we're hopeful. We're expecting that he's going to walk through the door. You know, he's, you know, he's going to come back on the air and not so much like he never left because he was, you know, as we found out after the fact, he was dealing with circumstances. We had absolutely no idea the depth of what he was dealing with. And, um, you know, maybe, okay, the season's over and we didn't get a chance to see Ray. Well, we'll see him in spring training or he's going to, you know, make some announcement to, to the to regard of, look, I, because of my health, I'm not able to continue as a broadcaster, but I'm forever in Oakland A. And, you know, we've had a lunch with him or something, but seen him briefly at the ballpark or somewhere here in Arizona. And it's all gone. I mean, it's just, it I just, you know, I, I was on MLB radio the day after in the morning with C.J. Nitkowski and Danny Wuxman. I couldn't keep it together. I'm not so sure I'll be able to keep it together with you because it's still, you know, it's just so raw. and just it's, it, it, it just means so much to this community, you know, not only to the A's community, to, you know, to our small broadcast community, myself and you and Ken and Cody and, you know, Dallas and, of course, Glenn, who had him, you know, on a daily basis for 18 years on television. Uh, you know, and then our A's community of fans, which are second to none. And just seeing the outpouring, the thing that, that strikes me here recently, Tony, looking at a lot of the comments and a lot of the responses on social media about Ray, is that here's a, a 74-year-old man who spent three years playing for the club, right? And certainly great years because they won two World Series and, you know, went back to the playoffs in 75 as well. But uh, the people that he touched, the the age, you know, the age, ages of people that he touched, from the very youngest to people, you know, his age and beyond, all points in between, and just having nothing but, you know, love and you know, respect, and certainly, uh, you know, prayers for you know, for Carol and, and the girls and, and the grandkids. But uh, just just amazing, you know, the the giant hole that we have in our organization right now, and it's just not going to be. It's not easy now. It's not going to be easy in spring training. It's not going to be easy that first game. It's not going to be easy on opening day. And you know this, we've talked about it on the air, Johnny. I mean, I've, I've done this for, you know, decades where on opening day, I, I give a toast to my dad, you know, uh, with a, with a, let's say a, a, a social beverage. Uh, and th- it's going to be a bigger cup this year. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I just, it's just going to be tough. It's tough now. It's it's going it's going to take a long time for it to 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 continue the healing process.
0: You know, what you're trying to explain to fans, you know, if fans love players and we get it. The players are the product on the field. That's what you come to see and you love, you know, coming out and seeing so and so and certain guys and but players like for us, players come and go. So we're, we're kind of numb to it, especially when I get phone calls. We're like, oh, Yo, you got to keep this guy forever. You're like, no, you don't. Um, but broadcasters, you think about, you know, when Bill King passed, what that meant to this family. Um, and now with Ray Fossey, I think even when we lost our good friend Dick Callahan, you know, what Dick, you know, showing up at the ballpark and hearing Dick's voice every single day. You know, that, that's the thing about broadcasters. Broadcasters stay around for your entire life versus players. It's a different deal.
4: Well, and, and all three of those men, and certainly I'm, you know, w- with Bill, you know, I, I'm the one that, that fought. I, I, I was the next person up. You know, Bill passed away in October of 05, and, and I was offered, to, you know, an opportunity to broadcast for the A's, you know, beginning in 06. And the, the first things out of my mouth in spring training of 06 uh, was you know a soliloquy to Bill, who I'd known from the other side of the glass, with my years with the Rangers, and basically uh, said to the fans, and it applies now, it applied to Dick, and it applies to Ray as well, is that you did not get a chance to say goodbye, you did not get a chance, you know, to 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 show your appreciation for for that person's meaning to you in, in your life in that very small segment of those three hours on a, you know, on a daily and a nightly basis and yearly basis and how you were, you were their template for, you know, spring, summer, and fall. And, you know, I, I, I basically apologized to the fans that day for, for having being, you know, for not being Bill's voice. You know, then I said it then and I say it today. I mean, I'm, you know, there's only one Bill King and, you know, it's so difficult for A's fans to, to try to take a step forward minus bill, and it you know it it has taken time, and and it's it's still hard for many people in the community. And you know when Dick passed away unexpectedly before you know opening day of you know of of 2020, all of us, myself, yourself, uh, you know Ken, not only did we love and respect Dick for who he was, you know as a broadcast, you know as the, a the, his stuff behind the microphone with all the different organizations in the Bay Area but the person that he was and the mentor that he was to all of us and the, and the opportunities we all had to have private lunches and dinners with Dick and just have, you know, deep conversations about life. And, and you know, I told my wife today, you know, just missing him so much because I just missed those, those dinners where you just had a chance just to talk about a lot of things about where you are in your life, how are your kids, how's your family. And hear some of his stories growing up in Pennsylvania and all that kind of stuff. And then with Ray, you know, multiply that even further because he was a player. He was, you know, he was a part of the, you know, the immortals. You know, the the back-to-back-to-back back, back world champions. They are the immortals. There's no there's no turning back from that. And every time that the A's had had a celebration for those for those teams, whether it was a 10 year, 20 year, 30 year, 40 year anniversary of that of that time, you know, Bob Melvin has always, while he's been with the manager for the Athletics, he always made it a point to try to remind his players look, you got to come out here and show your respect because this is who you want to be. This is what you, this is what you're striving for. You want to be forever remembered, uh, etched in the memory of the, of the fan base here for what you accomplished on the field, what that, what that meant to them as players, what it meant to you as a fan. And, you know, with Ray doing this for you know nearly four decades and, and, you know, doing it in, in, in a one of a kind Ray way uh, it's, it's as painful as anything that's ever happened. I mean, you've, we've, we've all lost a family member and nobody wants to go through that. And yet we all have to deal with it on, on our own levels and try to find a way to, you know, to take that, that next step and, and then the step after that and always keeping uh, those people that are so close to the three that I just mentioned, keeping them, you know, close to your heart and, and understanding what, how fortunate we all are to do what we
0: do. And I think about work ethic, and that was something that I, I always joked with him and his scorebook, And but there's so many guys who played who they just they show up, they get the check, hey, I was a superstar, I'm going to give you some opinion, and then I'm going to go home. That's not who Ray Fossey was. till his very last breath, his work ethic was as good or probably better than anybody, the way he prepared, the way he studied, the way he knew the players. Where he went into the, the the clubhouse and he talked to everybody on a daily basis, and just I mean he had three different colored pens, uh, pens going. I mean Ray Fos- Ray Fossey loved it, lived it, and every day he came to play.
4: Well, I, I tell you, uh, you know, among the many things that will be difficult, you know, walking into that press box in 2022, and I did it right at the you know right at the very end of the of uh, the 2021 season. As we all know that on, on the press level, there's a there's like a storage room for the PR people where it has all the old media guides and you know, various and sundry other boxes of things and you know some old uh, giveaway items, things of that nature. That was Ray's like private area. He would come in and he would go sit in there. And that's where he would do a lot of his work and you know, a lot of his preparation before he went on the air. And I could I, I know they're there because I saw them, you know, less than a month ago. That uh, You know, you look in this room, basically this broom closet, and there are three ring binders of, that belong to Ray of the different teams and the year-by-year information that he cataloged on a daily basis. And look, I, I pride myself on, on doing a lot of book work. It's, it's necessary because I'm a person that never played the game, I'm a person that respects the game, I'm a person that continues to learn about the game. And I keep these, you know, these Linus blanket notes in front of me that, depending on the game and depending on the circumstance, I will reference those as, as Ray does the same thing. But Ray played in the big leagues, you know, for 10 years. Ray played in the World Series. Uh, you know, he, he, like you said, he, he could have just been Ray Fossey and to a certain extent would have had success doing that. That's not who Ray ever was in anything that he did. And you know we we joke back and forth at times about you know the the, the amount of of uh, note taking that we both did and 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 brought to our you know our our you know our seat every night in, in the press box to try to do the best possible job we can you know for A's fans and um, among the many things that have struck me the past couple of days, Tony is sure it's it was very moving that even somebody like Mike Trout you know, took time to, to post something on social media, offering condolences, you know, to Ray's family and how he'll be missed. But the one that struck me the most was a picture of Ray interviewing Tyler Ladendorf. Tyler Ladendorf played 10 minutes for the A's. And there's a picture of Ray interviewing Tyler. Tyler posted on social media, you know, what, it, you know, what a privilege it was to, you know, to, to meet Ray and talk with Ray And, you know, do a pregame show with him. And, you know, he finally got back to the big leagues this year with the the Cubs after, like, who knows, what, four years away from the big leagues? And who knows what other trials and tribulations he was going through. But that's who Ray was. Because when I was asked about this on MLB Radio a couple days ago, Townie, they said, all right, what would you tell an aspiring broadcaster about about Ray Fossey and about the way that he went about his business? And like you just mentioned, he was always in the clubhouse. He was always talking to players. He was on the field. He was talking to players and coaches and managers. And yet that, those interviews that he did, and you know, he, there's a catalog of literally thousands of these Ray Fossey pregame shows, which he did for decades. But it was, in many respects, not only about, hey, how did you hit the home run last night? Or how did you throw that shutout? Or how did you get the save in last night's game? How's your family? You know, tell me about your parents. How's your, how's your young son or daughter doing? Those are other parts of who Ray Fossey represented. He wanted to know about the person. He wanted more than just that, you know, that label of a baseball player. He wanted to bring those stories out uh, for the fans. And that that's the thats the joy that we have because the fans, you know, 99.9% of them, Chris, don't get a chance to do what we do. They don't, they don't get a chance to walk into a clubhouse. They don't get a chance to walk onto the field during batting practice. They can't engage different uh, members of the organization in either interviews or even small talk, which is much more valuable than the three-minute or five-minute or six-minute interview that you do because you get, you get so much more information that you can bring to bear for the fan that listened to the game last night and said, is thinking, why did A, B, or C happen? And they're, they're trusting that, that w- we're the ones that are going to find that answer and bring that to them the next day. That's part of what brings them back you know, day in and day out. And you know, Ray did that as well as, as anybody. Plus, look, I, I've, I've done this for three decades. I do have a collection of ex-players that I had or ex-coaches or managers I had in the minor leagues that have gone on to the big leagues that have done different things in various organizations that I have a connection with. I have a connection with, with scouts and things of that nature. But it has taken so much time for me just to walk up behind a a batting cage and engage in conversation with Aaron Boone or you know Mike Socia when he was around or Joe Madden, Ray Fossey is on the field, and it automatically happens. Ray Fossey can walk up to Yadier Molina, having never seen him, having never met him, shake his hand, and there's that immediate bond. That's because they're former, you know, they're ex-catchers or the catcher fraternity, which we always joked about with Ray, but because he's Ray Fosse, he could walk behind the cage, and he could shake Joe Girardi's hand, having never seen him before, and immediately, you know, the conversation begins, and it's great baseball talk that Ray would bring on the air. He would because of who he was, but he didn't just take that for granted because that was just part of what he did. Like you mentioned the behind the scenes stuff that people never saw about how Ray took so much pride in his job, you know, and he, you know, and, and what he wanted to do on a daily basis on the air. They didn't see that. I did. And I got a chance to see the way he interacted on the field and in the clubhouse. And that's what made him so special.
0: No doubt about it. Vinny, be well, be safe, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing each other soon.
4: Yeah, fingers crossed, Connie. And again, you know, prayers to Carol and to, to Lindsay and Nikki and the grandkids. I mean, the other thing, Ray Fossey loved being Ray Fossey. You know, he he got it. And when he would have interactions like you and I and, you know, Ken and, and Glenn, when well, we would do the rope lines for season ticket holders and stuff, it was such a big deal to the fan. Ray knew that you know ray understood that those 10 seconds with that fan meant everything and he wanted to make sure that 10 seconds or that one minute or in the booth if somebody got a chance to come up and visit the booth before or during the game that that interaction was going to be memorable he made sure that he made them feel welcome made sure that he was glad they were there and that's just again another small part of of who ray fossey was i mean I, it's it's still so staggering to think that we're talking about in these terms but uh I appreciate you uh, you know doing this Tony. appreciate you know this vehicle there for us to, to, to use this small part to, to grieve a little bit further for for Ray and for Carol and for the kids. Take care. Thank you, Tony.
0: And we'll end with the man that sat next to Ray for so many years on NBC Sports California and this hit him really hard, obviously. Here is Glenn Kuiper. Glenn, welcome back to A's cast live. I know it's been a tough couple days for all of us, but I think, you know, as somebody that worked with Ray as much as you did, it had to be devastating.
1: Um, Hi, Tony. It's, it's great to talk to you. I wish with all my heart, we were talking about something else. Um, Yeah, this, this, this is, this is a, this is bad. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, I'm having trouble, you know, putting it into words the last couple days. I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, I'm heartbroken about it. You know, I knew he was sick. I didn't know how sick. Um, so, yeah, a lot a lot of emotions the last couple of days, and, and I don't think that's going to change for a while.
0: No, I agree with you, and I think what we've done today here on Ace Cast Live is we've told some stories, but in the end... I think what Ray would want us to do is is be positive and talk about you know talk about his career not only as a broadcaster as a player and look back fondly on him. He wouldn't he wouldn't want us moping. He wouldn't want us crying because that's not who Ray Fosse is.
1: No, he would not. Um, you know when you worked with Ray and and first pitch was about to be thrown, you better be upbeat and ready to go because he was every single game. It was amazing. Uh, he was ready to roll, man. Um, so you're right. He, he would want us to, to have some fun today. He would want us to laugh a little bit, um, and he would not want us to be down. That's for sure.
0: You know, I think about you replacing Greg Papa, and it was a really big deal. Talk about what that was like when, you, you you know, you're now going to be the TV face of the A's and you're doing it with a guy, Ray Fossey, who has been around forever.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, you know, I do think back on that quite often for, you know, hundreds of different reasons, how lucky I was to get the gig. Um, and then work with somebody like Ray, who, you know, our family knew for a long time, which certainly helped. He was beyond gracious. Um, you know, he, he, he just made me feel right away. Like, like, eh, what's the big deal? You know, you're, you're, you're fine. Let's go. Let's just do this. You know, he never, he never coached me. He never, you know, wasn't like pep talks with him. He just, it was like, okay, you're the guy. You're going to be great. And, you know, let's go. There was never any, any, okay, we got to sit down and meet because we're going to be working together. You know, he was not into that. You know, he knew that everything was going to be fine. And, you know, as it turns out, you know, you know, I mean, you know, we worked with Dallas this year, last year, some, but but Ray's the only guy that I've ever really worked with, you know, from day one, uh, you know, outside of Dallas the last couple of years. So, you know, that's another reason why this is hard. I mean, he was, he was my guy, you know? Um. So, yeah, it's very strange. I, I still can't believe it's happened and I don't know that I will ever fully sink in and then you're gonna to get the to spring training and he's not gonna be there and it's gonna kinda of creep up again and you know make you feel make you feel kinda of, kinda of strange again. But what can
0: you do? You know, when I was in Cleveland with you guys and Ray was like, Come with me, we're going out to Heritage Park. And he <laughs> took me out to Heritage Park. And I, I, you know, I think about you as a kid watching your brother and watching Ray. And I think it is special that Ray's plaque is right next to your brother's plaque. And so I did, I did like a, a long form. It, it was, it was a green and gold history. I think we were out there for 30 minutes at Heritage Park. I know he was so proud to have that plaque. I'm sure your brother, Dwayne, feels the same way. And, 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 you know, watching Ray as a kid and then working with him had to be like, wow.
1: Well, it I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really cool because I I do. I I remember clearly and Ray used to get mad when I told this story because it said it, it made him feel old and he did not like that. But I remember meeting Ray when I was 13 years old when he went back to Cleveland in 1976 and his locker was three, four lockers down from my brothers. And I remember meeting him, you know, these guys were larger than life to me. We've had that conversation many times, Tony, you know, with Eck and, and, you know, Buddy Bell and, and those guys from the Indians in the mid seventies, they were like my heroes. So I remember how I looked up to all of them when I was a kid. And now I remember it, it, thinking how much fun it was going to be to work with Ray, where where maybe not on the air, but even off the air, where I could tell him things I remembered from, from those times as a kid to see if he would remember them. And he did. He remembered all the memories that I had. Um, so, yeah, that, that, I think, added something to it. And I also think that part of it where, you know, he was a teammate of my brother's, he knew me, I think that made him accept me as his partner much faster and he really wasn't really worried about there not being a connection. I think he knew that there was already a connection and, you know, I, I think that helped our situation when we started working together um, because we, we had a lot of things in common in, in kind of a strange way, you know, um, even though, you know, he was, player when i was just a kid but there, there was a lot of things that we used to talk about from those those even just a couple of years in cleveland but we always would laugh a lot because they were memories that he had as a player but they were memories that i had as as a you know a, a kid in seventh eighth ninth grade
0: we saw x response on twitter about ray's passing uh, I, i'm sure you've talked to your brother about it how tough was it for your brother
1: brutal i mean i called him Soon after
0: I found out and he broke down,
1: he, he didn't know. He didn't he obviously didn't know. I, I, I got a call from Devin Fox, my boss at NBC. Um, so yeah, he was crushed. I mean, he's known Ray. Gosh, I mean, you know, you think about it, uh, you know, playing against each other and with each other, you know, you're, you're talking 50 years here, you know? Um, yeah, brutal, you know, and, and, Talking peers, you know, around the same age, so much in common. Um, so yeah, listen, it's it's just, it's devastating for really anybody who knew Ray, and then if you knew him close like we all did, it's even worse. And you know, and I feel bad for the fans. You um, know, fans love the guy, and and he, he that that was well deserved, and he loved him back. And you know, they're 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 losing out on on. on somebody super important to
0: them as well you know we talked about it earlier with ken korak and i think you'll understand this as much as anybody it's just when you look at the fan base and you take the fan base all the way to the 70s and take the fan base all the way to we are today raise the one guy that can merge the entire fan base like nobody else and you got to live it almost on a daily basis
1: yeah and that's a that's really a, a a great Point, Tony, and I'm glad you brought it up because I think that's there are many many reasons why Ray was so popular with the fans but I think I think what you just said is maybe the main reason because he did he was really the only person that intertwined all these different great eras of Oakland A's baseball right I mean played in the 70s that's a big deal one championships in the 70s so you have that as your base um, and and then you stay with the team and you work and then you become a broadcaster for the team, which is important, right? It's important for fans. Um, and then you're there for the, you know, the, the great teams of the late, the late, uh, you know, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, that great era. And, you know, the raised there with Bill King and Lon Simmons, right? I mean, come on, talk about weaving everything together. And then he's there for every great era in Oakland A's history. And that will nobody, nobody else can say that except maybe Steve Vucinich, right? I mean, if you really think about it, um, so the, you know, that's, I think that deep down is the main reason why his popularity was so big with, with fans and then you throw on the fact that he was, he loved the ACE. I mean, his life revolved around the ACE. He wasn't afraid to let people know that he was passionate. He wanted his team to win Plus, And then on top of everything, Tony, he was just the sweet man as, as you know, we all found out. Uh, how many times did we say he's, he's the most, he's the, the perfect grumpy, but lovable guy. We love that guy. Right. I mean, I mean, it was, he was perfect. Right. Um, and so he he really he really is the Oakland A's if you if you stop and think about all he did for that organization and I, and I hope he gets recognized for that.
0: And he would all in, in your guys' broadcast. He'd always mention your family. He'd always mention your son. He was always cognizant of what was happening, what, 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 you know, behind the curtain with you as your family was as your family was growing. Yeah,
1: and and you know, and so was his with grandkids, you know, and and you know, yeah. I mean, how many times did he mention my my son' name? My son's name on here, you know. Yeah. And yeah, you know, stuff like that, that that makes it hard, you know. I mean, he he knew what was going on, and he he really cared about you know my family and. It was a it was a genuine concern and is everything going well and you know how's how's your son and daughter doing you know and and that and I think that one of the joys he got too was he would tell me about his grandkids you know and raised private yeah you know you knew how private he was he didn't talk to everybody about a whole lot Uh, he just just was not open with people but. There were certain people that he was. I, I think I'm in that category. Thank goodness. But he would tell me things about his grandkids, and things he was excited about, and you know that's that's another thing that has made this really hard, because you start thinking about things like that. You know, like he was at a perfect age to enjoy his grandkids, and that that's another thing that just really really hits me hard and it really makes me sad you know he said to me gosh I think it was right at the beginning of the year and I think he mentioned it on the air in fact I know he did he was so proud that his oldest grandson was a really good athlete and I remember him saying you know what we're really excited my oldest grandson Matthews is going to be a freshman in high school he's going to play quarterback and, and I'm going to get a chance to see him play and I you know, you hear stuff like that, and now you think about how he's going to miss stuff like that, and that just it just it just gets me to the core that that stuff was so important to I mean, and he's just not going to experience it.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's really really tough. But you know, I think as a partner, the scariest thing for me, if I was a play-by-play guy, is if I went into the booth with a guy that I knew wasn't prepared that really didn't care. I mean, I can't imagine like, like all of a sudden you have to carry the entire broadcast. Cause this guy's just a former player and he's relying on his name and his career. That would be a nightmare. How great was it? You never had to do that. Cause you knew the guy to your right was as prepared as anybody in the ballpark.
3: Yeah. And I've,
0: you know, listen, I've, I've,
1: I've had the other, you know, other side of it with filling guys and, doesn't mean they weren't good it just means they were never going to be as prepared as Ray he was immensely prepared uh he had he had notes from every at bat and uh, it, it was no that was never anything I was at all worried about he was he was over prepared times five um so no that was not an issue I knew it right off the bat he taught me a lot in fact you know he taught me Just by watching him and seeing what he kept track of, I learned from that, and I kept track of different things that I probably wouldn't have thought of without seeing what he was doing. Um, So, you know, he was a great teacher just just by example. You know, he was never like, hey, you should do this. Never. Never one time did he say that. But I watched what he was doing, and I watched what he was keeping track of, and it was very impressive. And I know he's kept every book from every year he's ever broadcast. And uh, you know, somebody's going to get a chance to look at that someday and talk about Oakland A's history. I oh my! But uh, he was, yeah, he was on top of it always, always. Um, and I, I'll tell you a story how on top of it he was. And I'll make it quick for you, Tony. We were on a, we were on the plane. We were flying somewhere and we sat next to each other on the plane and a couple days before that, he had missed a game. Um, I, I don't know why. He, he, he wasn't there for a game. Um, and, he, and he was not able to watch it or listen to it. He, I, I'm not sure what the reason was. but So we got on the plane, and this was a couple days later, and I was watching him. And he had got his phone out. And, you know, if you go to the MLB app, and you can go back and look at the games, and you can go to every inning, and you go to every batter, right? he was doing that and he was, he was filling out his scorebook, keeping score by looking at every person's at bat and writing down what they did. He did that though. He did that for an an entire trip to the East coast just because he didn't want to miss that one game and not have that one game in his scorebook. And it took him about three and a half hours and he did it all. Um, and I was like, wow, he just spent four hours making sure that he had just one random game in his score because he didn't want his scorebook to be a complaint. And it was a random game. You know, it was the blue Jays Tuesday night in June, right? It just, it was not a, it was, you know, he had to have his book full and I, 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 I always remember that and that's how he went about his business.
0: I was always so impressed because I I can't do this like I I I don't have the attention span to chart every pitch, strike, ball, strike, <laughs> ball. I he no. every single pitch he put in his scorebook no. so he could tell you that guy in the sixth inning it was a two two curveball. I'm like, how no. do you pay attention like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he, he had. He'd he'd hold two pens in his hand. One was a red one. One was a black one. I think red was for a strike, black was for a ball, and he marked it down every single pitch. You now, so he knew how how many pitches went to every batter. He could remember what pitch it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it just and it, it never wavered. I mean, yeah, that's just the way he went about his business. And and you know what, Tony, he loved every single minute of it. That was that was. That was one of the great things about him. He enjoyed every minute of everything that had to do with baseball.
0: You know, I, I don't think people truly realize when, when you go behind the curtain what it's like where, you know, you guys travel together. You guys traveled all around the country. It's the same thing with the players and whether it's trainers or you mentioned Steve Vucinich or Bob Melvin and the coaching staff. It's a traveling party on, uh, on buses and planes. Uh, So you get real close and you get to know each other real well. And I asked Ken Korak this, and we'll we'll end with this, not to get too emotional, but, you know, what's the one thing on a day-to-day basis you think you'll miss? Well, I think I'll miss
1: his enthusiasm just for being at the ballpark. I mean, he just loved being at the ballpark. It was his his place, man. You know, and it it just – you could tell. He walked in that booth – and you know he lit up he was ready to go um and so i I think that's that's what i'll miss just his his overall enthusiasm for not just the a's i mean he was enthusiastic for the a's obviously but he just loved being at the park um that's all he knew right that was his thing that was his life um and we used to, you know, we used to always say, "Ray, why don't you take a day off, man?" I mean, you know, but he just did not want to not be at the ballpark. Um, so I'll always remember that, and you know, the, the closeness that we had, and, and that's one of the things too that that I'm I'm having a little trouble getting past Townie is, um, you know, we spent all this time together, but I never I never really got a chance to say goodbye to him. Um, and that's that's a hard one for me because, I mean, you know, it's 18 years together and then you just didn't get a chance to really say goodbye and now he's gone. You know, so there's things that, that you're sort of going to have to wear for a while and that's a hard one for me. Um, but, you know, there's there's just nothing you can do about it.
0: Well, we appreciate the time. We know it's very tough, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing each other very, very soon. But thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, keep your head up, my man, because you guys had a great run together.
1: All right. Thanks, tony And uh, let's talk again soon under better circumstances,
0: okay? Take care. See you, bud. Well, I know everybody knows my thoughts about Ray. If you listen to A's cast and A's cast live, it was devastating not only for me, but for all of these guys. And it took a lot for them to come on A's cast live to talk about their friend. So we want to thank Ken Korak, Vince Catronio, and Glenn Kuiper. Remembering one of the great A's of all time, Ray Fossey. That'll do it for A's unfiltered. Now back to A's cast powered by iHeartRadio.
2: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.